This is where they are building the largest nuclear fusion reactor in the world. Yeah, a friend of mine told me I had to check out this pool. America on Main Street and at the dinner table is talking about infrastructure when 20 years ago they didn't even know what that meant. Today, those towers are an astounding display of wealth, prestige, and engineering. First. It's impacting everyday Americans. I am against the train the way it's being done right now. New York City housing is a scam. It is a scam, 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 scam. The Shard in central London is being officially opened today and at 310 metres tall, it's Europe's newest and tallest skyscraper. Hello, I'm Fred Mills. And this is the world's best construction podcast by the B1M. Hello and welcome to the World's Best Construction Podcast. I'm your host, Fred, and in a change to proceedings today, we are not joined by Luke Bly because he's unwell, so it's just me and Liam. How you doing, mate? Good, mate. Good. It's just the uh, just the two of us today. I don't know what could go wrong. You you always provide so much uh, detailed insight and background on <laughs> <and> architecture. <laughs> I think this is going to be fine. I know, mate. I have to pick my game up. I have to pick my game up for sure. It's unlike Luke to be ill. So here we are, just the two of us. Yeah, mate, if he's actually ill, you know. I heard he was out at a wedding all weekend. That's what he was telling me on Slack earlier this week. He didn't look great. His hair's always very stylish. I've never seen his hair look so sort of disheveled, really. So Yeah. yeah. yeah Sending your best wishes, Luke. Hangover will do that to you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> How's the week been? How are the wedding plans going? All good, mate. All good. It's a couple of weeks away. Um, I think I said a couple of weeks ago. I'm just looking forward to the day planning and stuff you know it, it, it's um stressful and time consuming so uh just looking forward to the big party now looking forward to get construction talking a week before that as well looking forward to seeing you mate you and the, yeah. the b1m really? team down under you're actually looking forward to seeing me or not really yeah mate of course we'll do the podcast mm. together we're going to get coffee get yeah. lunch maybe sick of you within a couple of hours should be good i'm really looking forward to it we've got a really good night planned guys don't forget 2nd of november we are coming to the museum of contemporary art in sydney for a special event all about get construction talking we've got some fantastic panelists uh including mates in construction the fantastic mental health charity construction mental health charity that operates across australia and new zealand along with some fantastic panellists as well, including uh, John Biggs and Alison Mirams. So make sure you're there for that. It's going to be good. It's free to attend. Great view, great content. Me and Liam, free drinks. Like, mm-hmm. what's not to like? Probably, probably mm. be, be better than Liam's wedding, I think. But Probably, mate. Yeah. Hello to your missus if she's listening. Your future missus. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for offending her. Uh, we also had a really good, um, really good time with Mental Health Week last week. We talked, we talked about that on last week's podcast. But the breakfast event we had on a Thursday morning in London was awesome. Really well attended. Really good conversation. Free get control, get construction talking mugs given out as well. So yeah, it was a good event. It feels like a feels like an initiative that's really making progress. So yeah, mm. I tell you what, it's a busy uh, Q four for us, isn't it? Oh mate, what is it with October? I'm yeah. absolutely. We've done three events in three weeks: one in London, one online, one in Sydney. Yeah. <laughs> we've got videos going out. We've got banners in Times Square. We've got uh, we're doing multiple videos a week in some cases. We've got podcasts. I- I'm exhausted. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot going on. 
a lot going on. It's always the case. I, I find over summer, July and August specifically, especially when Europe um, is on holiday, uh, sorry, is, is on summer holidays, I am trying to contact people. No one, you know, you know, it's like you email someone in, in Europe, especially, and they're like, oh, uh, getting out of office. And like, I'm on holiday from 1st of September to August 28th or something like that. And then they come back in October and they're like, oh, I want a video. Can we do a video like next week? Or we want an event now. Boom, boom, boom. And it's like that until Feb. Do you mean 1st of August to the end of August? Because what you just said was 1st September to August 28th. It's like a whole year off. Yeah, I got that off. Yeah, that's what I meant, mate. It's going to work two days a year. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. The last one, I messed up in last week's episode because I said I, at one point I talked about the Iron Dubai and I said, but it completed in 20, 2001 instead of 2021. So I heard that. Yeah. I just yeah, let it go. I heard it. Yeah, I heard it once it gone out. So I was like, oh, yeah. So if you spotted that, guys, apologies. Get your get your feedback coming in at podcast at the b1m.com. You can rinse me. Uh, now, we've got a pretty Australian-themed episode today. I'm looking forward to getting all this Australia stuff behind me, to be quite honest, and getting back in the UK, back to winter, <laughs> away from Liam. Coming up today, we are talking about Melbourne's $125 billion new railway. Also, the 600 Collins Street skyscraper in the same city, in also in the news. We are then swinging over to Saudi Arabia, where they've revealed latest construction progress images and footage of the line. It seems to be actually happening. And then we're wrapping the whole thing up with China's Zaha D-designed cultural district, which looks very, very interesting. As always, the whole thing is going to be laced with lots of banter, discussion, mocking Luke, and some of your comments from the week. Let's do it. Let's get rocking. Let's go. So first this week, we are talking about Melbourne's $125 billion new railway. Now, this is called the SRL. Forget the CRL, mate. We talked about the CRL in New Zealand a few months back, the City Rail Link. This is the SRL, very imaginative from Melbourne. Uh, that stands for the Suburban Rail Loop, which is a 90-kilometer mega project that is going to skirt around the outside of Melbourne's outer suburbs. First phase covers 26 kilometers of twin tunnels and six new stations. That first phase alone is going to cost 33 billion Australian dollars and be finished by 2035. Second phase will then connect to the city's airport and be finished between 2043 and 2053. And the whole project is going to be finished by 2084. I'll be an old man by then. I reckon you'll be still about? I doubt it, mate. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be be 98. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Yeah, right. Might be. Maybe. Yeah, fingers crossed, mate. People are living older now. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a long time for a project, right? Yeah, it's massive. And you can bet your bottom dollar is going to take longer and cost more. So I might yes. see it finished. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say it's just a – I know it's not as uh, controversial as HS2, but that just screams red flags at me with that timeline and the budget already like, yeah, it's $125 billion, sure, in 2023. Yeah. Yeah, and we're not being pessimistic here, dear listeners. We're looking at the context of every other infrastructure project in pretty much every country <laughs> that we've ever covered. So, yeah, I mean, you're you're a Melbourne local, mate, to a point. What do you make of this? Well, I, I, I yeah, interest, interestingly, mate, I lived in Melbourne for about five years before I actually came over to London uh, the second time when I started the B1M. I, um, I lived... Quite a few places in in Melbourne. I, I first moved to Hawthorne, which is like east 
in the eastern suburbs and i used to have to get the train into the city and i think we referred to it in the video that sometimes you wait 20 to 30 minutes for for trains in the suburbs i remember that like vividly from i don't know 12 years ago of walking up the station you didn't have city mapper back then anything like that um and you just walk up there you miss the train and you're like all right i've got 20 minutes to wait and then i moved to the inner city suburbs i think it was in um south melbourne which is close to the city and then i was in um windsor the trams mate are phenomenal in melbourne like phenomenal if you live in those areas come every like two or five minutes they uh, typically on most uh are the main roads and usually within like a tram stops within like a five ten minute walk from typically where you live so obviously that's sorted so if you can connect and make the suburbs more efficient i think it's fantastic it's, it's awesome especially looping up to get to the airport as well yeah is great it's crazy isn't it because like the thing you say about waiting 20 minutes for a train like that is so alien to people who get the new york subway or live in london where you just literally just walk onto the platform and the train yeah. is going to be there at most five minutes a couple of minutes yeah, definitely yeah that that's interesting I, I mean even in london you get so used to it though and you know you walk down on the platform and the train's just leaving you're like damn it and then you look up and it's like <laughs> next train in two minutes <laughs> you're like i saw I, I saw a guy on the tube once and this this tra- the train door shut and pulled away and he just banged the side of the train and went oh for expletive sake and the train pulled away and there's literally another one straight behind it like one minute later and he got on that train I was like, yeah yeah is it that really that bad is it really yeah. that do you desperately need to be somewhere the expectations mate. your expectations are there you know you expect the train you know what you expect to make it in the first place but um yeah yeah it, it's cool i mean i think it's a great project um you know melbourne's one of my favorite cities it's a, it's a video on melbourne and it's full of tbms i love a tbm <laughs> I know you love a TBM. What's not to like? You love a good old boring machine. <laughs> Mate, here's the thing. I This is the first one we've noticed. I don't know if it's the first time we've spoke, discussed it in a video. But we said the TBM, one of them, I don't know if all of them have it, has an office, a kitchen, and a toilet. Yeah. Mate. So the one I went on for HS2, like you, we walked down this tunnel. Like we literally walked a kilometer into the earth. And it gets a you kind of mustn't think about where you are because it gets a bit, it is a bit scary. But then you come up to this, it gets increasingly louder. You come up to where the TBM is in the tunnel and you literally climb on the back of it and it's like 120 metres long or so. But there's there's an office, there's a command centre, there's a little cafe, there's a toilet, there's an emergency pod. So if the tunnel collapses or anything bad happens, there's a fire, they can get into this little emergency pod. They've got water, supplies, fresh oxygen. Um, wow. It's incredible. There's like teams of people working down there all day and it was hot, it was really hot. Yeah. Um yeah, that that like there's no daylight, tough hours, you're underground digging away. Like, yeah, massive respect to people that work on CBMs. It's incredible. Absolutely, mate. I mean, I used to complain when I was in London in uh winters, you'd go to the office, you'd leave home at like what, eight o'clock, seven thirty, it's dark, and then you you know, you get to the office, it's still kind of semi dark, and then you go home and the sun's gone down. And I'd I'd complain about that, but then you know, you've got these guys operating these huge pieces of machinery, you know, working on critical infrastructure and upgrades and things like that. And then I've, you know, got my little office job complaining about, oh, yeah. the sun's not up when I go to work. <laughs> I think we were, in, the, in the video we refer to this as almost like thinking of, it, thinking of it like a submarine. And it really is kind of like that. It's, it's not as isolated as being on a submarine, but you are in a very remote environment. You're there with everything you need on this machine. 
and you're doing the job digging away, mm. it's not that you can get back up to the surface, but it depends how big the tunnel is. You know, I was on a, a tunnel that was going to be two kilometers in total. I think I walked a kilometer and a half into the excavation down to where the TBM was. That felt like a long way, and it felt like getting in and out took about, I don't know, maybe 20 minutes to get in and out of the tunnel. Wow. If you're doing one that's like 57 kilometers long, like this one over in um, in Europe at the minute, the Monsigny Base Tunnel, you know, obviously they, they're digging that from both sides, but you could be walking 20 kilometers, driving 20 kilometers down these yeah. tunnels. I was going to ask, so do you have to walk to them? Do they not have like little, um, I don't know, golf carts or utes or yeah, anything so like that? You can drive down to them and they, they do that. So the one I was in for HS2, there were these big trucks going down the middle of the tunnel, taking more concrete segments down to load onto the TBM to push into the walls. So we had to walk on this uh, kind of metal gantry they'd built up on one side of the tunnel, uh, sort of up and above the roadway, which was it was narrow and it was a bit wobbly, but it was cool. It was, but yeah, when you're carrying kit, we have to take um, like oxygen kit down with us as well. You have to carry your own oxygen mask in case something wow. happens. Yeah. 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 But I remember asking the guy, it's less about a tunnel collapse and more about if there's a fire, they can't vent the smoke. So, oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting times. Scary. I couldn't, I couldn't work on a TV. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be pretty intimidating. Anyway, back to Melbourne, guys. Back to the, hmm. uh, back to the story we're, we're digging into. Pardon the pun. Um, <laughs> few facts for you melbourne has five million people now and has overtaken sydney as australia's most populated city which i didn't know biggest place to be in australia now 19 percent of all australians live in melbourne um I'm, 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 there are some bits of australia that are incredibly just like wilderness aren't there like northern territory western australia some bits are proper wilderness so like desert kind of thing Western yeah, australia. the outback yeah, yeah the outback yeah, there you go <laughs> problem with melbourne though is it's not very easy to get between the suburbs you have to go into the city center and then back out again as liam was alluding to that is very similar to some other cities too that have radial metro designs and it means that most people in melbourne tend to drive 2021 census data found that while 50 percent of people uh drove to work in a car only three percent took a train which was pretty shocking the idea of the suburban rail loop is to solve all this so what they're doing, as we said, is building this huge loop through the suburbs. It's going to be 90 kilometres arching right around the city, 125 billion Australian dollars today, uh, all due to be completed by 2084, albeit the earlier phases will start landing and making a difference earlier. You can look forward to that first phase from 2035 <laughs> and the second phase sometime around the late 2040s, early 2050s. So, um, mm. yeah, big change coming, albeit quite a long way down the track. Now, what we talk about in this video is that they can't do any of that before they build this thing called the new Metro Tunnel, which is equally impressive. The idea of this is to build, uh, sorry, to solve traffic build-up in the middle of the city. So about 40 metres beneath the streets, machines have dug a set of nine kilometre long tunnels that are going to create a new end-to-end train line connecting the west to the southeast, along with five new stations. So just this little metro tunnel upgrade thing is in itself a very big project. Um, this, is the, this is the first step, as I alluded to. This is the first step in that bigger suburban rail loop and enabling that to happen because it addresses a pretty crucial flaw that many of these city uh, radial city designs have, which is a choke point. So because every line has to go through the centre of the city, it limits the number of trains that can travel uh, which goes back to what Liam was saying about having to wait 20 minutes for a train because everything's coming in and out of the centre of the city. Uh, there's a 
big capacity issue, it kind of creates a, a bottleneck. The idea of this line is to solve that. Um, however, it's not been plain sailing. As you guessed, major public infrastructure projects has not been smooth. Basically, the public got wind that this massive tunnel was going to rip apart the city's main street. Swanston Street was going to be opened up and constructed over and there was going to be all kinds of uh, works down it for a very long time. Uh, so the plans had to be devised. One politician even compared the plan to open up the street and put construction works down it for a few years as the Berlin Wall, which was pretty dramatic way to get attention. Not quite the same thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> why do politicians keep bringing up the second world war i never understand it it's never going to go well for you just just shush yeah yeah i don't politicians mate yeah anyway he's got a name for himself <laughs> now he's in the he's in the, all the news articles about this project they flipped that round they used some clever engineering to keep the same routes uh but cause less disruption so basically instead of tearing apart all of swanston street some buildings were demolished along the path of the tunnel and excavations were made that would kind of hook under the streets, allowing workers and tunnel boring machines access. So they're still building the same tunnels in the same way, just in a bit more of a convoluted, drawn-out process that is going to take a bit longer and cost a bit more money. Uh, but hey, the city remains uh, above ground. Traffic can keep flowing. People can stay connected easier, which is a positive thing. This is a pretty big project. So there are four TBMs in total. Each one was 120 metres long with 100 tonne cutting heads. I think they're about 1,100 tonnes altogether, 1,300 tonnes altogether, these machines. Absolutely huge. Crew of 10 people on them. They were monitored and staffed 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There was an office, kitchen and toilet on these TBMs. Huge, huge things. And what I found fascinating is they have this onboard navigation system that keeps the machines on track and ensures they don't accidentally drill into something they weren't supposed to or end up drilling in a different direction. Uh, and all four of them, as we say in the video, was named after a local female hero. So a local hero uh, relevant to Melbourne has a, had a TBM named after her. Which, Very cool, mate. Yeah, apparently that's an honour. I'm not sure if I want a big digging machine named after me. <laughs> be happy with a bench, to be honest. But <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, with the navigation system, I, I wonder how often they actually go through. I mean, it probably doesn't. Oh, I don't know. I mean, in England, this probably happened a lot with like old um, civilizations or like graves and things like that, right? Because they're pretty deep. Yeah, they have. I think they have this ability to sort of. It's like a radar scan of the ground they do, so they can sort of see what's down there to a point. But you're right. I've always wondered with a TBM, like if there's a very small very rare Roman pot just ahead of this 100 ton rotating cutting edge. I mean, you're not even going to feel it, are you, if it goes through it? It's just no, going to be... chew through it, yeah. Yeah, it's just going to be ground up. <laughs> I don't know, they're 120 metres long. Mm. So when, you, when yeah. you watch the video, you watch the CGI, you look at the actual machines, they don't look that long. They look girthy, obviously. They look, you know, wide. But they don't... I don't, I don't think they'd be that long. Yeah, they're on wheels, so that the wheels move forward down the concrete tunnel they've just built. But obviously, on there you've got you've got the actual cutting head stuff and the machinery that enables that to happen. You've got the control systems, you've got the navigation systems, you've got the conveyor belt that takes. So the conveyor belt basically hoovers up the soil you've just cut from the front of the cutting head, takes it back up along a conveyor belt through the middle of the machine, and then it normally gets sucked up in like an air pipe down the side of the tunnel back out of the tunnel you've just dug up to a spoil heap at the other end and in places like london and many other places they've gone and 
taken that material and created new wetlands, new marsh areas, no dairies that's kind of giving something back to the environment from the tunnel you just dug. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, there's a lot going on on these machines. It's interesting stuff. And I have to say, this this project, I mean, that speaks to kind of the ambition of it, really. It is a huge, huge infrastructure commitment. Like, you know, this we're talking about 90 kilometers, a multi-decade, almost half a century long engineering projects and i think it speaks to the scale of it that just just to enable that bigger project to happen the new metro tunnel they're building is in itself enormous you know nine kilometers long 40 meters deep five new stations it's huge we talk a bit in the video about how there's been a bit of kind of back and forth on this because because of political cycles basically so you get one government comes in and is really pro the tunnel and things move on a bit more you know procurement happens design moves forward you get other governments that aren't so pro the tunnel and things slow down a bit don't progress as much so i think this more than any other project you know being half a century long more or less is is extra impressive and i think it's it has an extra risk to it because there's going to be so much political and economic change you know the world's going to be completely different by 2084 so to be building this and to keep the commitment going for it to keep the vision going for it is going to be hard work but you know if the city keeps growing population keeps growing the business case for it becomes stronger i think but yeah Mm. huge huge project do you think they could build it faster yes so basically you if you went and constructed all of it at once so you could start different construction you could start do the two phases in parallel um, it caused a lot more congestion. It would cost a lot more money because the work is all happening in one go. Um, but yeah, I think you could you could build it faster if you did it at once. This was the HS2 argument, right? So they were saying that what you should have done with HS2 is not split it into phases, but do all of it in one go. Build the northern bit, build the bit to Birmingham, build all the eastern legs, build the whole lot at once and have multiple construction teams going. But the UK Treasury didn't like that because it was going to cost too much money in one go. They'd much rather yeah. spread the cost. Yeah, it's a it's a lot of a lot of funding up front, right? Yeah, so it's a lot of money. One hundred and twenty-five billion Australian dollars. I know it's like fifty quid in the UK, but it, <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that at one point in this. <laughs> it's a lot of cash to find i tell you what i can't i can't wait for you to be in sydney in a couple of weeks and you're gonna go and buy a sandwich and it's like 20 dollars, which is like i don't know probably 12 pounds at the moment you need a real no. show what yeah. for a sandwich ah i mean a good sandwich i mean a good sandwich okay what about cup of know. coffee uh i pay like four bucks long black it's quite cheap i think that's quite cheap yeah yeah it's not so I don't know what like Oat lattes costs or frappuccinos or whatever you make, mate. I'm about to head to uh, New York. Soy right? yeah, I got that. Thanks for that. <laughs> Thanks for that. Just a straightforward cappuccino, actually. Manly, strong chocolate cappuccino. Chocolate on top. Always got chocolate on oh, top. Oh, not always. And you know, sometimes if I decline the chocolate on top, I feel good about myself. And, oh, I've been healthy today. So I didn't have a, oh. I didn't have chocolate on my cappuccino. <laughs> <laughs> um, heading to New York later this week. So I've, I've got the ability to compare New York and Sydney. I'm doing some filming over there for our christmas long form video which is being produced at the minute which is going to be awesome uh so yeah i'm doing new york which is expensive uh and quite far away from where i live and then i've got to go from new york back to london then down to sydney just in an effort to break my body so 
Mate, the lifestyle of a, of a minor YouTube star, eh? <laughs> you had to throw minor in, didn't you? you had to throw. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was just going to say, the uh, there is no uh, comparison to Australian coffee. It's by far the best coffee in the world. Oh, yeah. It's known for yeah. that, actually. Yeah. yeah. By far. Famous for its coffee. Mm. Goodness sake. Ridiculous thing to say. Well, I'll find out when I'm there. I'll compare, I'll compare London, New York, and Sydney. <laughs> It'll be good. Guys, let us know what you think about the uh, SRL, the Suburban Rail Loop being built in Melbourne, and indeed the massive enabling works, the new metro tunnel that's kind of uh, enabling it to happen. Do you live in Melbourne? Is this going to make a big difference to your life? Is it a good idea? Bad idea? Is it going to be on budget? Is it going to finish on time? Get your comments coming in. Podcast at the B1M.com. Also in the news this week, we are staying in Melbourne. We're staying with a bit of a Melbourne theme for this episode and swinging over to Collins Street and looking at the 600 Collins Street skyscraper. So this is 180 metres tall. It's focused on sustainable design and wellness. They are spending 1 billion Australian dollars on this. It's a huge, huge project uh, led by developer Heinz. Currently under construction, it's going to add some 60,000 square metres of office space into the heart of the city when it completes. Now, this is designed by Wilkinson Air, but the skyscraper is rising on the site of what was originally due to become Australia's first Mandarin Oriental Hotel, which was an incredible building designed by Zahadi Architects. 54 stories tall, these kind of stacked vases on top of each other. The renders looked insane. And I have to say, it became one of Zahadi's like most recognisable, shared, celebrated projects, or celebrated designs at least. However, the project lost its backing during the pandemic, and then developer Heinz purchased the site from uh, Landream, a previous developer, in late 2020. And it's now getting a slightly more standard, slightly less interesting skyscraper designed by Wilkinson Air. Yeah, it's a shame. I'm, I'm glad something's going on this site because it is a very uh, obvious site on Collins Street. At the minute, it's a very low-rise building there, and you've got a lot of skyscrapers, so it makes sense to put a skyscraper there. I just I'm gutted because I love that Zaha D design so much. Yeah, the, that Zaha building is phenomenal. Like probably one of the best skyscrapers we've had on the podcast. Yeah, mate. New that, it's like world class architecture in Melbourne. Yeah. This new one uh, is probably my least favorite. I like it less. What was that? What was that one in? Um, oh, eight Bishopsgate. Eight, eight Bishopsgate. Oh, it's is better it? than eight Bishopsgate. No, mate. No. This is so bland. Really? I don't like. It's not that bad. Do you don't think? I mean, it's I feel better, like I could, just, I, could just, I reckon I could draw a better skyscraper than that. <laughs> There's a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> There's a video right there. Let's do that. Um, yeah, it's better than Eight Bishops Gate, mate. No. I have to say when I was when I was in London for the. Great construction talking breakfast event. Just to just to plug that again, uh, I looked across from the balcony at the city of London, and I realised that Eight Bishops Gate, which is a obviously irrelevant, boring box in London, is actually taller than the NatWest Tower, Tower Forty Two. And oh, I wow. remember the days when that was the tallest skyscraper in London, and yeah. now we're putting up stuff that is taller than it, but doesn't even make the news because it looks awful. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, showing show your age there, mate. Yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, I 
Yeah. Um, I'm gutted that Zaha building's not being built. That is yeah, phenomenal. That is, it's stunning. That is the, yeah, it's beautiful. And that is the tone of the comments as well. So lots of people saying uh, Zaha design was incredible, was very unique. I was really looking forward to it. Sam saying it still looks all right, though definitely less unique and eye-catching than Zaha's design. Uh, yeah, someone says, says another bland towel, which is never going to look as good as its picture. Bring back the Zaha design. Yeah. yeah. Do, do, what do we think about the price for this? 180 meters tall, and it's costing $1 billion. That, to me, that sounds extremely high. Yeah. So apparently they're going big on all this, like, wellness and sustainability. It's going to be a great place to work and all this sort of stuff. But mm. it feels like someone's been had. Put some, put some trees in there, mate. Put some plants around the place. and. We have got some trees. We've got some trees going on that balcony. <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah, 60,000 square meters in Melbourne, a billion Australian dollars. I mean, it'd be a nice building, but yeah. 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 I'm just, my main emotion with this is I'm gutted that Zaha D building's not being built. Same. And I think most people seem to agree with us. I, I, I didn't know. I think we referenced it in the, um, in the video that Melbourne has more skyscrapers than Beijing and London combined. Yeah, that's amazing. Almost more. Yeah, we almost almost oh, more right. than London and Beijing combined. But that's insane, isn't it? There's yeah. a real skyscraper boom happening down in Melbourne right now. Yeah, I, I am a fan of the sky, like the Melbourne skyline. I think their skyscrapers are pretty cool. Apart from yeah. this one, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> they got that. Um, they got that green spine one in that building as well, which I think should be pretty awesome. Mm. If it gets, if it finally gets built, it'll be. Yeah, and if it, and if it's to the to the renders, I mean, you know, yeah, there's a lot of questions around that. Those renders are nice. They have set a bar for those <laughs> for that building. I think they've announced multiplex building it because, of course, it's a skyscraper in Australia. Why not? Yeah. Why wouldn't multiplex building it? But um, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, high bar. Good luck, multiplex. Mm. Good luck making that look good. Mm. A lot of work to do. Uh, now we are swinging over to Saudi Arabia, as we always seem to do on this podcast. But uh, new progress video has been released by Neom. Uh, construction progress has been revealed across many of the projects, uh, all the big ones. So the line, Trajina, uh, the Oxygen development, all of that has been put forward. And they've, well, they've released footage in their own promotional video of the construction sites. And it looks pretty good. You've got the line, uh, which obviously is the 170-kilometer mirrored linear city. It's going to stand 500 meters tall and run across the desert, apparently. Uh, and also the mountain ski resort, Trajina. You can start to see the shape of these projects coming out now through these pictures. You can see things taking shape. There is a very long way to go between what we've currently got and what's been put forward in the renders. But they seem to be making this push to prove the point that they are building it and it is going to happen mm. do we know any details on the the material being used on the mirroring on the line no. any information because no, it, surely it, it, it won't be just a normal mirror obviously it's not going to be you know your normal standard household mirror you know your bathroom <laughs> mirror but it's got to be some kind of you know new technology or something like that right like yeah i mean all the renders they're putting out show it being fully mirrored so i just i don't understand yeah it must be a, a clever system that doesn't fry things next to it doesn't yeah. let too much heat in achieves that look and effect yeah we, we don't know basically <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah anyway they've put they've put construction pictures out and as i said i think they're trying to do this to sort of show the world that 
we are building it it is happening it is coming your way uh but the juicy bit is going to be when they actually start getting these things getting the architecture up if you know what i mean not just the the groundworks mm. and the pilot machines um what i would say from looking at these pictures is that they've got a lot of resources on site there are a lot of piling rigs a lot of excavators multiple activities happening all at once um it would appear from the pictures that they've released that they're not messing around so yeah as you'd expect a few comments on this people saying this is a waste of resources it's not environmentally sustainable it's just ego driven and these projects should not continue to be built uh Neon would contest that. They would say that they're doing a lot of environmental stuff. Although, as we said last week, it's all very well having stuff that runs very well and runs very environmentally friendly when it is completed. But the construction of these projects using huge amounts of steel and concrete in remote locations is going to put a lot of pressure on the environment. Um, Someone's saying it's going to end up like Jeddah Tower. Uh, it would have been better if it was a circle. Believe it when I see it. Yeah. Hoping it actually gets completed. Completion date is probably like 2090. Come from Kevin. Well, hey, Kev, I only just beat the uh, the SRL, Suburban yeah. Rail Loop, down in Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, it'd be crazy if this this is obviously um, scheduled to complete way before that. But this is all the stuff that Saudi's building, and then it's Melbourne's like, oh, we're going to take 50 years to build a, a mm. rail loop. Mm. Yeah. I have to say, they're kind of like shooting for the moon here, and if they land among the stars, it will still look pretty awesome. And that's kind of summed up by Alex, one of our long-term, long-term fans, long-term watchers, Alex, who says, if they get anywhere near building this, it'll be insane. And I kind of mm. agree. Like If it looks anywhere like half of what they're proposing, it will still look awesome. They'll get criticized, yeah. obviously, because it won't like the renders, but it'll be good. Uh, anyway, guys, let us know what you think about that. Uh, is the line going to happen? discuss is Georgina going to happen discuss get your comments coming in podcast at the b1m.com now finally this week we are swinging over to China where a new 26 hectare cultural district is set to be constructed in Sanya again Zahar D designed I'm sorry we can't get enough of Zaha. it all looks so blimming good the whole time uh, they won an international design competition of course they did won it hands down I imagine just walked it with the proposal for a layered roof structure above a new performing arts centre, uh, and that roof kind of fans out like a shell from a new central access they're putting in, which connects the harbour side to the water side through to the heart of the city. I know you can't see this, guys, but it looks absolutely incredible. You've got shell-like designs, you've got timber-curved forms, you've got glass, there is urban greening, you've got every Zaha deed touch that you'd imagine, but like they always do, somehow edgily imagined and pushed forward with every design they do. And it's just it's just awesome. Yeah, mm. I love it. Very, very big fan. What do you think, mate? Yeah, yeah, big fan too. It, it kind of reminds me of the, uh, I think it was a library that Zaha did in China. I think we covered a couple of months ago. It has the same curvature, like the timber interior. Yeah. And it's kind of like wavy. Yeah, it, it just looks beautiful, doesn't it? Yeah, it's incredible. And they've got this like timber cladding on the underside of the roofs, uh, which looks awesome. That's all due to be sourced from sustainable, cert- sorry, certified sustainable forests. Uh, and it's being selected for its resilience to local coastal weather because this is obviously on the waterfront. Uh, and it's in a tropical climate as well. So it's the area here in China is prone to monsoons. Uh, so they've got this low carbon design, they've got photovoltaics, they've got a rainwater collection facility. 
and it fits in with uh, China's Sponge Cities program as well. So you've got permeable surfaces, surfaces that help water run off and stuff. It's awesome. It looks awesome. It's well thought through. It's going to make a big difference. Um, lots of your comments, guys, reflect this. Uh, people, <laughs> one guy's commented, just change it to the People's Republic of Zaha Adid. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, another guy saying, what's the point of having a competition when they already knew who was going to win? Ooh, not sure <laughs> they did know. But yeah, when Zaha entered, everyone's like, oh yeah. I we mean, we, have, we haven't really covered a project in China that wasn't Zaha for a while. It's true, we do. I mean, we do. do but we? Yeah, yeah, of course we do. Lots of stuff from Adis, Bjark Ingalls, Heatherwick. Oh, Heatherwick, All sorts yeah. of things going on. Rings bell over there, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take that back. Someone here saying, "Why does China get all the cool buildings?" Well, it's because China's trying to put itself on the map. They're using uh, big budgets. They are getting stuff done, and they're employing big architects to create landmarks, put themselves on the map, create eye-catching architecture, uh, and kind of validate what they're doing and bring credibility. And Zaha Hadid massively does that. Obviously, it's kind of what is the biggest architecture practice in the world. So. Yeah, we like this, guys. Go and check it out on our Instagram and get your comments coming in over at podcast at theb1m.com. Swinging over to the old inbox. I'm taking over this slot this week because Luke is away, so I won't do a Cockney accent, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and do, to, to do my best. I think, I, think, I, think, I think you should do a Cockney accent, mate. Do I'd like, I think I'd like to hear it. Yeah. Well, we've had an email come in through the old... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was a bit too far, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, whispering. blimey. Blimey, mate. You want some strawberries? Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is from Benjamin Ryan, who sent an email in. And it, the, the subject of the email is banger architecture. Right. Uh, Benjamin says, big fan of the show. Absolutely love Liam. Luke is incredible. And that Fred guy's all right. He's pretty. Yeah, all right. All right, Ben. We got it, mate. Uh, it said, anyway, y'all should suss the Department of Fisheries in Hyderabad, India. And he's attached some <laughs> images of the Department of Fisheries in Hyderabad, India. Guys, all I can say is type that into Google. It is absolutely insane. It is a fish-shaped office building. And not in an abstract way. It's literally a big fish. I mean, <laughs> that's amazing. That's <laughs> oh, so ridiculous. It's yeah, we, what kind of fish you, uh, do you think that is? I don't, <laughs> I don't think we've got a species. <laughs> would you uh would you scale that building? Sure, mate. I mean I'd it'd be pretty funny. Where do you work? Oh, it's the fish bird fish building. What, what if they want to change the use of it later on? I mean Oh mate, yeah, that's not gonna happen. No. I mean, it it you, looks like you know, in... you know when you go through like small towns and you're like doing a road trip and you just go through and you see like <laughs> There's a big prawn, or there's like a big crayfish, or a lobster, or whatever. <laughs> like, it's just rad, and that's what that t- town's identity is. You know, the big banana. I think there's one, one here. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's just the big that. fish. Yeah, the big fish. I mean, guys, if you're listening to this on a podcast, which you are obviously, and you haven't had a chance to get on the Google yet, I mean, get on the Google and have a look at this because it's unreal. It's as I said, it's not an abstract fish. It's a fish with stairs up the side of it and windows. And, I love it. Uh, it's, it's, it's even got eyes and a mouth. <laughs> and fins. Yeah. It's like, and it's got air vents as well. Like like the 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 windows also look like like gills kind of thing. 
Do you think they just sort of put the brief out to the architects and like, we want a we want a building that speaks to our business and what we do as the <laughs> department for fisheries? And then they came back with this. And there's someone in the boardroom like, let's do it, let's build it. I'm like, sir, no, please, please, don't yeah. build the fish. Wait, it, if you look closely at the photos, it kind of looks like it's paper. <laughs> you know what I think? Is it paper mache? Yeah, it just looks like paper, <laughs> like baking paper. It does. It doesn't look good. I mean, I was kind of stating the obvious there, but you'd be no on MHQ, mate. Yeah, what <laughs> oh, fish? <laughs> <laughs> None of this looks good. It doesn't help that it's in uh, not the most attractive of areas, and it's got telephone wires cutting across it in all sorts. I mean, what were you thinking? Anyway, Benjamin Ryan, thanks for sending that in. Not so much of a thanks and a pat on the back for dissing me, but anyway, <laughs> try and do this show without me. Just try and do it with Liam and Luke. See how you get on. That's what I say. <laughs> <laughs> Second email this week uh, is from a guy called Liam Spinks, who says, hello from Sydney. Hi, Fred, Luke, and Liam. I'm another Liam emailing from Sydney, Australia. Who'd have thought, mate? There are two Liams in Austra- in Sydney, Australia. Yeah, mate. Very rare. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get confused. There you go. Uh, when, I, when I get there and I get in a cab and say, take me to Liam's house, I hope he takes me to the right one. Anyway. <laughs> Liam Spinks says, I just wanted to get in touch and say how much I enjoy the potty. It's honestly one of the highlights of my week. Ooh, doesn't say a lot for your week, Liam. He's been listening since the very (laughs) beginning and has tuned in to every episode. Please keep it up. He says, you guys should do an episode covering the Sydney Metro. It's a huge public transport project that is all things that the B1M covers so well. It's had a huge cost blowout, not as much as HS2. It's controversial, and at the end of the day, it's an awesome city-shaping project. All the best, Liam. I'm quiet for the Sydney Metro. I thought I thought you were a bit anti it, mate. No, I'm all about it. Are you? Must be in the other Liam, mate. I'm 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 for it. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've talked about it before, and people have gone, oh, no, no, mate. That really. would be your team of content producers. I'm all about it. Oh, I'd, I'd love more Australian projects. I think the Australian projects do well, and we we have a massive audience here. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, Liam, if you listen to the podcast, mate, if you're around on uh, November 2, just pop down to the MCA, head over to getconstruction.org, just register, put your name down, bring some buddies, um, come down, come get a selfie with Fred, um, get some drinks, some canapes, and yeah. Yes, mate. I love I love that. That's just the, the best like link I've, I've ever heard you do. Shameless plug. <laughs> Shameless plug. Yes, Liam, Liam Spinks, come down. We want to meet you. If you're in Sydney, come on down. 2nd of November. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. And yes, we'll look into the Sydney Metro for you. Um, that's lovely, isn't it? We get some really nice messages and emails coming. We've got some more as well, which we're going to talk about uh, in future episodes. Uh, so, guys, we hope you enjoyed today. Get your messages and emails coming in. Send us your feedback. Send us your reviews. Podcast at b1m.com. And we're going to see you next week. Right. The news is good. Yeah, mate. I'm yeah, good. I've been up. I'm lots. gonna try not to say I've been up to nothing, but I'm just gonna like planning for my wedding. We'll just chat about Luke.